This meeting is being recorded. Okay, welcome into the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast, episode 22, Emmett Smith edition. Today is March 12th, 2022. The Grizzlies uh, May 12th. could be dead. May 12th. Pardon. A couple a couple other teams could have their season end tonight as we approach the conference finals in the NBA. The Twins have a couple of big series coming up as they look to bounce back from a tough loss to the Astros on Tuesday. The Wild are looking to extend their series to a game seven against the Blues. And then where we're going to start the show today is with the story of last weekend. It wasn't a lucky strike, but a rich strike who entered into horse racing glory Saturday. Horse who was entered five minutes before the entry deadline Friday. Wasn't even in the state of Kentucky, but actually in Cincinnati, Ohio, along with his jockey, Sonny Leone who was riding a different horse at the Belterra Park and went 0 for 5 Friday in the races he ran. Rich Strike, an 80-1 to 1 underdog, defied all odds and came all the way back from 17th place entering the final stretch to pass the favorite epicenter and add his name to a long list of legendary horses to win this storied race. Were you guys able to watch the Kentucky Derby Saturday? I was not. I got offered to go down to Canterbury, but I already had plans. Otherwise, I would have been one of Grant's favorite people, dressed up all bougie, cheering on horses that we know nothing about. Uh, no, I was not uh, able to watch the, the Derby either. I was doing uh, another fun summer activity, hitting, uh, hitting some golf balls here in, in Minnesota. Uh, so I was not able to watch the, uh, watch the race or see anything like that, but um, – the one takeaway I have from that all the time is just how ridiculous these people look when they, when they go and they watch the race in person <laughs> for the love of God, you got guys wearing pants three inches off their, off their ankle bone. Nobody's wearing socks. We're back to this from last week, but we're not going to bed this time. Women are wearing dresses that are flamboyant and stupid. Their hats look like they should move to London, which is the most depressing city in the world. And they look like they drink they look like they drink wine, so they're just not my kind of people, if you know what I'm saying, boys. <laughs> as we were also, talking about, Greg hey, has a glass of wine in front of him, but he refuses to drink it. Yeah, so, I know. I was, you I was really so, trying to get the show to start by you two clanking your glasses together, but Grant's just a well, party pooper. We can, we can make that happen. Well, yeah. Cheers, boys. He just won't drink it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got it. <laughs> but I'm very sad he didn't drink it. It's a good wine. But it's also, though, Kentucky is the home of Kentucky bourbon. So there's a lot of people drinking some good whiskey. So I know, Grant, that's up your alley. So it's not all bad. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Canterbury Park to watch horse races. But horse racing is a very fun sport to watch live. I was down in Del Mar probably five, six years ago. It was a lot of fun. And Fun I fact, think- I won my first ever three bets at Canterbury. Knew nothing about horse racing, just got lucky as hell, but probably won't ever happen again. I'm glad you brought that up, Ethan, because I had Mo Denigal winning. He took fifth, and it broke my streak of well, – well, I was going for four straight. My uh, Broke my streak of three straight Kentucky Der- Derby winners I had picked. But congrats to the owner of Rich Dawson, to the owner Rich Dawson, and the trainer, Eric Reed, who I don't know if you guys are familiar with his story, but about, I think it was in 2014, I think he lost almost two dozen of his prized thoroughbreds in a 
barn fire where his training facility Ooh. was destroyed and he actually ended up almost retiring. So it, it, it was a cool story for sure. And That's probably what? hopefully he wins 12, 12 $15 million loss just from the horses alone. Well, those, those horses are easily three or $4 million. Uh, yeah. Least they gotta be. They which, gotta be. which also is crazy is that rich strike was bought for like 30,000. And now he just won a $1.8 million purse. And plus all the other different advertising and new opportunities that's going to bring. So Preakness is in a couple of weeks and see how he does there, but we'll keep our and theme. The Preakness, of- is that one, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but that one, is that in, in Kentucky? That's in Baltimore, correct? Or is that in New York? I think that the Belmont's in New York. Let's I think the Preakness is in, is it just outside of Baltimore? I want to say Preakness stakes. It is at Pim. Pimlico race course in Baltimore, Maryland. Yep. One city, one city you wouldn't associate with horse racing. No crab cakes is what I mean, you associate I, with Baltimore. I, I've, I've seen, I've seen the wire. Those people in that town don't raise <laughs> horses. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> they raise guns and violence. <laughs> Especially on that West side there. They don't do it. Yeah. So the, We'll go back, uh, transition to a sport we taught, we watch a little bit more, and that is the NBA playoffs. Grant's favorite team, the Sixers, took a bad L last night, losing to the Heat. Heat go up three to two in that series. They beat the Sixers one twenty to eighty five. That game was over from the tip. I had a hunch that was going to happen. Joel Embiid, there's, if you would, guys didn't watch inside the NBA, he was very down on himself and frustrated that he didn't win MVP and he played lousy. He got hurt and the heat just took care of business. He, he got hurt like his back or something. And the heat took a, to start the fourth one on an 18 to four run. And what little life the Sixers thought they had to start the fourth was gone within that first four minutes. So I think the heat closed it out in game six. I think this was a, classic to come back energized and interesting to see how that Philly crowd comes back. But personally, I think this series ends on Thursday. I would, I would agree. I mean, I think this is just not only classic Philadelphia and the Joel Embiid era where they fall flat on their face when they have some momentum, but this is also a doc rivers coach team. And you know, this, this is what his teams do. He's, coached who's blown the most three, one leads in, you know, NBA playoff history. He last lost last year to, um, you know, the eight seed, no, the four seed, the four seed um, Hawks 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 at home in a game seven and his teams, they just don't know how to finish. Um, He, you know, doesn't have that culture like Miami does where back to horse racing where they're thoroughbreds and they're going to finish teams off or when they get momentum, they're gonna they're gonna make the Heat regret losing a 2-0 lead, and this that's just what the Sixers do. And you know, Embiid he's down. He didn't win the MVP, but that's just not who he is as a player either. Um, unfortunately, yet in the playoffs, we haven't seen him take a series over and dominate and win like like what Giannis has done, what LeBron's done in the past, and KD. Uh, and you know, it's compared. You can't compare him to Shaq because they're not the same person. But he just doesn't take games and series over. So this really shouldn't surprise us that they're probably going to lose in six. And Harden's really no different. He's never really 
been that guy on like a championship team either. He's he's out of shape. He had that one good game in game, game, game four. four. Game four. But after Which that, was a I mean, great game. Yeah, great game. I mean, that's awesome. He can do it every once in a while, but he's not gonna, he's not that player that can do it every game going forward. Where you need him be to do that, or else that offense don't work. Like as we saw the other in, night in, in this series, it was kind of refreshing, guys, to see the game on Friday be was it seventy two to sixty seven or very low scoring into the fourth quarter. Yeah, it ended under a hundred. Kind of that old school um, NBA NBA like Ben Wallace playoff game. Ben Wallace Pistons against the Spurs game seven. Tayshaun Prince chased down block. Like just that's good basketball. That is the NBA that I really fell in love with as a kid, where they these teams they're getting at it at each other defensively and they're they're grimy it was physical not this you know old golden state i'm going to put up 142 against memphis in game three I, that's that's too much for me so it was kind of nice to see a little throwback game and um you know these playoffs where you know it shows like they they do care and this brand of basketball is still around yeah well and especially as these series wear on these series is way on move on and game the series way on as it gets into those later games it's going to be low scoring it's going to be the team that gets stops and at the end when it gets to that you're going to want to go with those teams that are able to get the consistent stops on the back end and that's where we'll get us to transition to the Suns Mavs series the other game that went on uh Tuesday night and Grant Neathan are not separated. They are not suspended until 2023. They are together. Unlike the Mavs fans that tried to hug Chris Paul's par- uh, family. And they were just trying to be friends. Exactly. It was, I, I, I heard that and kind of, I always try to wait when stuff like that comes out, try to get all the facts. And then since when is giving a hug illegal? Uh, we're supposed to March of 2020. Joy. Yeah. March of 2020. We're not, we're not, and they were, they were not wearing their masks indoors. How and we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going <laughs> to talk COVID. So <laughs> might not be wrong, Graham, but we're going to, we're going to try to avoid talking about COVID here. And Thank God. And I, I, my gut says, I think this series goes seven. I think the Mavs try to find a way. I think Dallas is a completely different team at home where they get that crowd going behind them and it it just the roof is ready to blow off Luca feeds off that and the rest of that crew yes and and yes him and Booker do not He's like really each other no, they call they them don't. a pussy ass bitch on last night and I, I this Suns team is a lot of fun to watch Booker is Slowly what did Booker it? say when he laid down? It was something about it was something about a Luca something. I I, I can't remember when he got hit on a hard foul. He laid on the ground and called it Luca special. I think is what he called it. Oh, because he flops. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, as Ethan takes a sip of his wine, but I think he's slowly yeah. turning into one of my oh. favorite players. I he the guy is just so smooth. He's just got a silky smooth jump shot. He's able to get to the rim, and he looks like a chump. He, he is not like- muscular at all. I wouldn't. I mean, I mean, not saying he's not saying he's not good. I'm just he's he looks not, he looks like a chump. He's he's a very deceiving superstar because he, to Ethan's point, he doesn't physically look. He's a lot like part. a Baron Davis. He never really looked the part he either. He doesn't look the part. But then he dunked on the entire city of uh, Dallas in or, the or was, first round. It was either Dallas or Utah. I think it was Utah. Might have been Utah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I was actually but just Lucas thinking of anyone like that. Those, yeah, those uh, those Baron Davis highlights. That was a very if he actually played in like a big market or on a good team. He was career, fantastic. <laughs> oh, he still was. Like he was probably yeah. one of the most underrated, under talked about superstar team. in this. Yeah, he had a good six seven year run. Yeah, he played it a long time too. He had a, I think he finished yeah. his career with the Clippers with Blake Griffin and. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, at the but end of Blake, he might career, still be playing overseas, honestly. But guys, you know, it, Dylan, it's funny. You, you think the series is going to go seven? This maybe has the feel of the uh, an, another um, series in the conference semifinals, but in two thousand eight, when the Cavs played the Celtics. Yep. You know, you had the best team. You had the best team in the regular season, from start to finish in the Celtics. You had a Mavericks team with a young superstar, maybe ready to be the best player in the game, in LeBron James. Yep. And then you know the team, the team around him, like the, the team in Dallas. Uh, you know, it's they're they're okay. They're 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 not great. I um and the same with that LeBron team. But when they were in Quicken Loans Arena, it was just something a little different. There was some energy in the air. And they were able to, you know, win all those three games at home, you know, and then Paul Pierce, you know, um, and the Celtics got the best LeBron in game seven, which I think, you know, D-Book and Chris Paul, they're not going to let Dallas come in to uh, to Phoenix and win a game seven. But it could be one of those classic, you know, seven game series where the home team wins every single game. And the young superstar, this is maybe the one loss he needed to take the next jump and to, to win that championship or depending on how this year goes out then depending on what dallas does or doesn't do lucas says i can't win a championship here and i got to get out like lebron did in 2011. yeah i picked phoenix to sweep them so i mean my opinion is probably irrelevant (laughs) at this point but i i'm with dylan i think it goes seven i just booker hasn't played well on the road this series and i think he's if he doesn't play well they're not gonna win and lucas been basically dynamite at home he's been unbelievable so I'll take them in game six, but then going back to the desert, I don't I don't think Dallas can beat them on the road. No, or is it the valley? Do they want the to valley? It's they the valley. The yeah. Valley. Okay. Valley. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call it the desert because the I've desert. been there and it's a freaking desert. So we're but, gonna go with that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna respect the logo at center court and call it, does it, say and the, call valley. It the valley. Yeah. Yep. The only valleys I know are Clemson and LSU, though. And I respect that. Those are what Penn I'm State. gonna call the valley. No, they're not up to Clemson. We don't. Man. We don't talk about no, Penn State on this that's podcast. True. No, we don't. We don't talk yeah, about that type of stuff. They were. Uh, they were a sad valley this year, but a long I, time I think. Ago I think if valley. I think for, I think for the Suns to win tomorrow night, I think you're going to need a game two performance performance from Chris Paul, where it was slowly he just kind of worked his way into the game, and then fourth quarter hit, he takes over. I think if they keep it close and Chris Paul takes over, I think that's the only way Suns win. But I expect this, there to be a game seven on Saturday or in, Sunday. In, in, uh, against New Orleans in the first round, same thing. Home team won the first five games. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is that the game when Chris Paul went 14-14 from the field and just took that game over as well? Yes. Yeah, I think against, so. Against the Pelicans, so eliminate wins, them. So right? to, to your point, you know, if the Suns want to win – and, you know, go home in six and be able to put their feet up, um, you know, for a little bit be, and try to get some rest before it looks like they're going to play Golden State, you don't want to have to play a seventh game. Yeah. Because we, we all expect Golden State to uh, – me personally, I think they're going to win 
you know, game five and they're going to, they're going to send the Grizz home and they're going to go back to uh, San Francisco and be able to rest up for a little bit before the Western conference final start. Yeah. Well, we'll just keep it there. Yeah. Warriors are up three to one jaw out. He's going to be out Wednesday as we record this. He's out for the postseason. Yeah. He's a bone bruise and a very chippy series that just almost feels like depending on what happens tonight, it's going to be very Wednesday is very anticlimactic and especially for all of like the chippiness that's gone on in this, that's gone on this series. And I think the biggest thing that's showing is the Warriors, their experience is just blowing through Steve Kerr missed game game four out with COVID, but they have a very seasoned coach on the bench, Mike Brown, who just got the Kings job and Steph, Draymond, Clay, all those guys, they've been through the ringer. They, they don't, they're not going to panic. They're not going to freak out. You know, it felt like almost Memphis was in control for most of the game and the Warriors just kind of kept chipping away, just hung around. And then when closing time and winning time came around, they, they it showed and the Mem- Memphis without jaw and Dylan Brooks was nowhere to be found. So I think, yeah, tonight, Wednesday is Warriors close it out and we're going to gear up for, even if Dallas finds a way to win in game, win and come back after uh, in game seven. No, I'm I'm talking about, I think, I think we're in for a real good series between either the Suns, Suns Warriors or Mavs Warriors. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Golden State closes it out tonight. I think Memphis gave them their best shot minus jaw. I know they've been what, like twenty four and two or something, like some crazy twenty and, st- 20 and two. Twenty and two without job, which is you need ridiculous. you need your best players playing in the playoffs, though. It's different. Exactly. And, and, and Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson. I mean, it's probably hard Mike, to find a better one two. Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Sorry, not Mark Jackson. Uh, probably a better one two coaching duo in terms of assistant coach head coach, and they're gonna know how to adjust now that you don't have job. They're gonna shut them down. And honestly. I don't think tonight's probably going to be very close. And I think I th- I think for Ja, this is a learning lesson for him. You got to keep your body off the floor if you want to have a long career. He's like a missile young, out there. young man. I know who you're athletic and you can get to the cup whenever you want, but you put yourself on the floor all those games against Minnesota, these first three games against you know Golden State. Bad things are going to happen when you do that. So he's just got to learn to play under more control so he doesn't get hurt. That was a, kind of a moment that I thought was really cool and fitting on Monday was the Draymond block there at the end of the fourth quarter to do that for, you know, on the day when he learns his old teammate from Michigan state yep. was, you know, unfortunately killed and lost his life for Draymond to go out and, you know, make a play, you know, for his former teammate and his friend and his brother, that was really cool. And that's just kind of why, you know, it's kind of why we love sports for, for moments like that. Cause who knows? Maybe Draymond wouldn't have been able to get up there and block that shot if he didn't have a little extra motivation on Monday. Yeah. Can we also talk about Memphis's coach for a little bit? I kind of thought he gave off like a kind of an asshole vibe in the Timberwolves series, but he's absolutely given off an asshole vibe now with his, oh, that was a cheap play and everything, just kind of calling out pool when really I think he's just reaching for the ball, missed and grabbed his knee. Like there was literally no intentional intent on that at all. No, not at all. But this well, and it was, it was a bone bruise. You're not going to get a yeah. bone bruise from that. So it, there was a no. and there was a play there was before that where he got hurt, yeah. and then, yeah, it's 
I think going back to what Grant said about learning about not hitting the floor as much, it, this is also someone with something similar to James Harden, a guy who we talked about earlier, Chris Paul, where he slowly works his way into the game. And then when winning time comes around, he's there and he's hitting the big shots. I think sometimes Ja and James Harden too, where they are working so hard, so much early into the game, making sure they get their points where by the end and when winning time comes around, they're just so exhausted and tired. They're not able to get to the cup and then their legs are tired. It affects their jump shot because they're not able to get the elevation they need. So I think that's something that Jaws got to work on. I think somebody has to have that uncomfortable conversation with him that, Hey, you're talented enough. You're going to get yours, work your way into it, get your teammates involved early in the game. When it comes to those final two minutes and we need buckets, go get it. What he really needs to work on is a shot. If he can get, if he gets a, like a consistent shot, he's going to get to the hoop with ease. He doesn't have to do all these acrobatic things, get fouled every single time to make his 20 free throws a game in order to get his points. If he has a consistent shot, I mean, that, that all goes to hell. Like he's going to be unstoppable. Well, and then also, you know, back, I guess, to my entry point here, one player, I'm not saying he'd still be playing today because he would have been in the league forever, but Dwayne Wade's career was probably taken two or three years short, again, from hitting the floor all the time. And what He was just like Ja. He was explosive. He maybe didn't have the world's best jump shot, so he had to get those easy points at the cup. And, you know, geez, towards the end of Dwayne's career, he, he had double bandages, double ice on both knees, a shoulder and a wrap. You just you need to learn to take care of yourself there, young man, if you want to have a long career. And if you don't want to let your teammates down, because this 20 and two run Memphis had this year without job, let's, let's be honest, it's probably a bit of a mirage. This isn't going to happen every single season. And eventually he's just going to end up hurting, hurting his organization. And he's going to hurt himself because he's going to be out of the league because he can't stay, stay on the court. Yeah, exactly. And with a young star as good as Ja is, you need him and help grow that game. Cause this is, this has been one of the best NBA playoffs in quite some time. I think just, just the teams, there's, there's a lot more parody in it. Like you, this is, it's the first time. Well, I guess last year too, you could say, but where you really wouldn't be shocked if about six or seven teams were in the finals. Well, exactly. Like, cause like you said earlier, Dylan, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if Dallas came in and got in the Western conference finals. Um, it could, you know, Memphis might surprise us and say, Hey, we were in 20 and two without jaw, you know, in the regular season, you know, golden state, they've blown a three, one lead before we've seen it. Um, they probably don't have those memories in the back of their head because LeBron and Kyrie is not on that Memphis bench, but we've seen crazier things. And then, you know, Celtics bucks, that's a two, two series. The Sixers have won every game at home. So who says they can't, they can't win in Wells Fargo Arena on Thursday night and bring that game back to Miami. We just we just don't know. Um, and and that's what the NBA needed. Because when it was Warriors and Cavs for all those years, and we knew the Warriors were going to win the West, it, it was bad for the league. It's bad business because people aren't going to watch because they already know the outcome. Yeah. And we'll go to the uh, final series that we haven't even talked about yet. And another game that's going on Wednesday night, Celtics-Bucks tied at 2-2. Celtics got a huge lift from Al Horford on huge, huge game four, just channeling huge. his inner, 
inner Florida days when they they won back to back titles. Say- I believe he was. I believe that last year he was Final Four most outstanding player. And this is teetering Game Five tonight as we record this in Boston, and the Bucks need somebody outside of Giannis to step up because they are clearly missing Chris Middleton, which you guys both said mm-hmm. was going to be the reason the Celtics win. And I'm starting to feel that way too. Yeah. I actually saw, was it? I think Chris Broussard uh, pointed out. I saw yesterday that last postseason, Giannis was shooting 57% from the field. This postseason he's shooting 43. And I don't think it's going to go up anytime soon unless he gets to the rim every single time. But this game, I get, Celtics have control. Like they're playing the good defense. Like their shots didn't fall at the end of the game. Game three, I think it was. Oh, yep. Um, but they fell last night or last game, I should say, not last night. But Celtics should be in control here on out if they can, can contain Giannis like they have been. And guys, let's not forget how important Game Five is when you, the series is tied two-two. I saw the stat on Sports Center last night. In the NHL playoffs, in the, the history of the game, seven-game series, when it's tied at 2-2, the winner of game five wins 78% of the time. In the NBA, it's 82%. Hmm. So this is, you know. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance that the, that someone can win game six and, se- and game seven back in a row. But eight out of ten times, the person who the team who wins game five is going to win the series and I, again, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. I think the Celtics are going to win this series. You know, like I said, Al Horford, Fountain of Youth. Was Billy Donovan on the sideline? Was Corey Brewer <laughs> on, the, on the wing next to him? Joe Kim Noah? What, what, what's going on? Was this game played in Gainesville? It's hard to believe Corey Brewer scored 50 points in the NBA. The, in most, ra- the most random 50-point NBA game of all time. Makes no sense. Um, but, yeah, he found the Fountain of Youth and then also – you know, Jalen Brown was in foul trouble, but Marcus Smart coming in big with a late charge on Giannis. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, with the, with the clutch three down down the stretch. You know, Grant Williams is able to come in and at least get five fouls and try to slow Giannis down. This Boston team is just so deep. And like we said, with no Chris Middleton, Giannis can't play like he did against Phoenix last year. He's not doing it this year. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we're, I'm looking for Drew Holiday. For the Bucks, if I'm the Bucks, I'm saying I need a game out of you. We're paying you a max contract. It's time to go, buddy. It's if we want to be back-to-back champs, it's time to shine. Yeah, because right now this series, I think the second best player behind Giannis has been Grayson Allen, and you do not want if you have Grayson Allen as your second best player, you're not going to win too many games. You just can't trip everyone. <laughs> exactly, and also like the amount of charges that you see and. It's just boneheaded basketball where it, it, you can see it a mile away. The guy's just camping there. It's like jump stop, jump stop, jump stop, jump stop. That's not a thing Ooh. anymore, dude. We do euros and run them over because that's cooler. It, I know. Yeah, it's, you, also, you also cause your team two offensive oh, fouls not, a game. I'm not saying it's smart. I'm just saying I know, but this, the new trend in sports, that's another thing that just pisses me off. We're not right. playing smart basketball. It's the same thing as – NFL receivers pushing off. It's the same damn thing. Oh, just, it just don't drives, do it. It drives you crazy. Well, th- between that and then the way these refs have been, well, and I, you can't even blame the refs because they're just interpreting it by the book, by the rule, but there needs to be something in because these flagrants are just soft ass calls. 
Oh, terrible. Yes. And, terrible. and I understand what the refs are doing because by the book, it would be, but they need to change the book and the letter of the law where it's, it for it to be this flagrant, it's got to be, in, it's got to show some type of intent because most of these are just basketball plays where when you get a bunch of 6'10", 210, 230 pound dudes flying around, there's things gonna, things are gonna happen unless it's completely intentional. There should not, it shouldn't be a flagrant. Like game two of Memphis and Golden State, uh, Dylan Brooks, like I'd fight the guy, so I don't really care that he got ejected. I hate him. That but one was a dirty play. Fr- but uh, game that was a, one, that was a, that was a, a flagrant foul. Game one for, for Draymond Green, that was he's trying to make a swat on the ball. Like, oh wow, he hits him in the face. The guy's not dead. He's not bleeding even. Who the hell cares? It's a hard foul. Shit happens. Hey, I, I I would agree. Dylan Brooks, that one, he he wound it up, and he's saying, "Oh, I was trying to go for the ball." You're a professional. If you're trying to go for the ball, you would have hit the ball, or you would have hit his hand. You hit Jordan Poole's elbow, and you took him out. That was a dirty play, but Gary yeah, Payton. You're right, don't. Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Excuse, yeah. excuse me, but th- you gotta let, let these guys play. It's an emotional game. It's an emotional series. You play 82 regular season games, and then you're seeing the same guys potentially seven times in 17 days. You're gonna get sick of them, but let them go out and let them play and let them have a good time, and let them let them talk a little trash and let them be physical. Because, like I said earlier, you know when we were recording. When the NBA, when they were being physical and they were playing a little more defense, that's the NBA I, I fell mm-hmm. in love with as a kid. Yeah. Not this, you know, hand check, you know, college basketball bullshit officiating rule that we have now. Let them play. Well, that and then, yeah, yeah, some of like the technicals and other things where they've called taunting. And it's, I think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Devin Booker who got called for taunting. Booker got one. Booker yeah. and, he, and he looks at the refs and he, and he didn't even do anything bad. And there, and he go. He looks at him like, it's the playoffs. Like, yeah. Let him play. Like Grant said, it's an emotional game. It's physical. You're where bodies are flying everywhere. You're exhausted. Like, you can celebrate. You worked your tail off to get to that point where not many people do. I think I don't even know the number percentage of what guys get from high school to college, college to the pros, but. Basketball is one of the toughest place spots to get a Division One scholarship, and to get to that level and then tell that you can't celebrate or be excited when you do something cool, get out of here. Well, yeah, and to your point, there's thirty what thirty teams in the NBA, and there's what thirteen guys on a roster. There's Rare. there's fifty three players in the NFL, and we talk about how hard it is to make an NFL roster at fifty three. Imagine thirteen, and those five of those guys are starting and you're going to be at least three deep on the bench. So before you know it, you're down to eight people and five spots left on a team. Come on, let them give them a reward for making it there. Yeah. Let them have some fun. Make basketball fun again. (laughs) Right. And that's a Grant. You've been kind of the transition King today. Cause talking about NFL 53 man roster, I was able to do an interview with former NFL safety, Michigan alum, Demonte Thomas, who played 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 his college ball at Michigan, played three years in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. He was a safety, and we're gonna take a break here, and we're gonna play that interview, and we'll be we'll come back on the other side.
All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, the first of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast era. Uh, last, tried to get him on last week, but had some scheduling conflicts, so he's joining us this week instead. Grant and Ethan aren't able to join us, but they sent me some questions to ask him. So last week, we got to see about 262 college players fulfill a lifelong dream of theirs, get their name called during the NFL draft. However, that dream isn't dead for the players who didn't hear their name called. Most teams sign about 15 undrafted free agents every year. Our guest today didn't get to hear his name called in the 2017 draft. He used that disappointment, though, to motivate him and prove every team that passed on him it was a mistake. He signed with the Broncos after a stellar career at the University of Michigan. Go Blue. He played for the Broncos from the 2017 to 2020 season he's now a father real estate agent and runs his own sports academy where he trains athletes in the denver area he's the pride of alliance ohio demonte thomas hey man how you doing i'm good so a little bit of a backdrop of how demonte and i got to know each other this was about three years ago in 2019 i was down in cabo at a bachelor party demonte was also there he we were staying at the same resort and he was playing volleyball, I believe, with a couple of the people from my group. And you just got to talk and figured out he went to Michigan. We probably talked. I was under the influence of some, <laughs> some beverages. And we probably talked for about an hour. So reached out to him a couple of weeks ago. And we were finally able to make this happen. So I always like to ask a hard-hitting question first, Demonte. Who do you hate more, Ohio State or Kansas City Chiefs? Ohio State. <laughs> All right, not even a not even a thought there. So it was good to see them finally get a get a win over that awful no. team this year. Finally. Finally, yeah, it was it was a it was a it was worth the chewing glass for four hours to see them finally get over that hump. <laughs> but so. Like I said, you grew up in Ohio. Were you an Ohio State fan growing up, or did you not really have any have a team? I didn't really have a team that much. I know I just like watching college football, and more importantly, I just like going outside and just playing football with my friends and my neighbors more than anything. But if I would have had to pick a team growing up, it was it was definitely Florida when they had Chris Leak. Um, okay. I thought he was one great quarterback, and I really loved them at the time. But as my time came up and I got my offers. Um, you know, Michigan was a uh, was my favorite school. Okay, what what made you decide to go to Michigan? Um, I think I was looking at the whole atmosphere of a college. You know, what can they offer me for sports? What can they offer me for education? And what can they offer me after football? Um, and what can they offer me if football didn't work out? And to me, it's Michigan checked all those boxes for me to still allow me to be successful even if football wouldn't have worked out, um, especially with the alumni that we have. Um, you know, it seems like everywhere I go, I hear that go blue. Um, I always joke with my girl because she went to uh, ASU and she gets mad all the time because when we're traveling at the airport together on vacation or going to go see our families, she's always like, why is Michigan everywhere? Every, everywhere is all, people's always wearing Michigan, 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 Michigan. And then once we saw like her college and she got excited and I was like, I just think that people just like love Michigan. So many people went to school there because it's such a great program for sports and for uh, education. So I think that was my, my, my going factor for the university of Michigan. Okay. Yeah. So you, it was, it, that's interesting that you chose Florida because the coach of Chris Leak at the time was urban Meyer. Did you, 
hear from Urban Meyer? Or what was, uh, if you did hear from him, that first call you got from him, what was that like? Yeah, not everybody, not, no one knew this, but I was actually down in Columbus doing a, um, I think I was down there for wrestling. And actually, as I was committed to Michigan, I took a visit to Ohio State. Um, it was just, I was near campus because I think I was there for wrestling. And I stopped in there and talked to Urban. Um, and he was a cool dude, but he kind of seemed a little sketchy to me. Sorry if you hear my son <laughs> in the background. Seemed a little sketchy to me. So I was kind of just like, yeah, you know, I think Michigan's the right place for me. And also, I gave Michigan my word that I wouldn't decommit. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to keep my word. And I think it worked out best for me. Um, although my cousin went to Ohio State and he got the national championship rings and all those different things, I always say I got the degree and I got the education and I, and I got the things that's going to take me further than uh, those rings. Now, I'm not saying that I want to want to win a championship ring. You know, it's been great to have all that at Michigan and win a ring, but um, I'm happy with my decision. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Who's your who's your cousin that played for Ohio State? Uh, Bronte Dunn. Okay. He was a ring. He's, we're from the same hometown. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, so you went to Michigan. First couple of years was a little bit rough. And they bring in Coach Harbaugh. What was what was different from the Coach Hoka era to when Coach Harbaugh first stepped onto campus at Michigan? I don't think anything was different that much. I mean, coaching was a lot different. You know, Hoke is a great recruiter. Um, but what Hoke lacked in was his assistant coaches. I felt like his assistant coaches wasn't um, doing a good job of player development, getting players ready for college um, and getting them ready to play. Hope did, rec- if you think about it, Hope recruiting class was special. You know, yeah. he had me, he had Jabril, he had Jordan Lewis, he had Channing Stream, he had Taco Charlton, Jake Bud. Like, he had all the Shane Moore's, he had all these great people. But if you would have, if we would have had a coach that could develop us early, I, I think that our junior senior year um, with Ho- uh, Harbaugh, I think we won a national championship with no problem. But Harbaugh had to pick up the slack of developing us and bringing in the right assistants to help us. Um, you know, get better. So I think that was the biggest night, like night and day. It was just the six, the assistant coaches being changed. Okay. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a rough couple of years and your class was definitely the class, that leadership class. You guys were juniors at going to be juniors at the time. And you were, I look at your guys's class as the class that really helped get Michigan on the back on the right track, get the train tracks rolling. And yeah. you could tell even. Go ahead. <laughs> Even after that first game against Utah where you guys lost, I felt different about that team. You guys were more physical. You felt more prepared, which goes back to the assistant coaches. Yeah. And what was your what was your first interaction with Coach Harbaugh like? Um, it was cool. You know, um, you always hear about the Harbaugh family because uh, they're actually from Ohio, too. They're from yeah. like 45 minutes from where my hometown is. Because so him and Urban – Huh? Him and Urban were born in the same hospital. Same hospital, I yeah. So it's it's crazy to think about all the great athletes and coaches that come from Ohio. Um, just tells you the state of Ohio how 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 lucky we are to have you know the things that we have with sports. But uh, yeah, when Harbaugh came in, man, he was super cool player coach. Uh, he really cared about his players. He wanted the best for his players. And every time we wanted to play for him, we wanted to give him our all since he gave us our all. Um, he definitely is as crazy and as funny and has crazy stories as you hear and that you see. Um, so my, uh, my interaction is he, so far, he's been my favorite coach that I've ever had as a head coach. Um, yeah, he was just, he was just special. All right. What, what, 
so we'll stay on that track here. What is the best Jim Harbaugh story you can tell us? Uh, I think the best story I can ever tell you guys is we're walking, we're in Utah, and I, I forget what they call it exactly where you walk at. It's like super religious. Um, oh, the Latter Day Saints. Yeah, I think that's where we 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 went and saw. And as we're walking out of the hotel, I'm walking close to Coach Harbaugh, and all I hear is click, 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 <laughs> click, click. And I'm like, dude, why does it sound like somebody got their freaking cleats on? So I look back, and there it is. It's Harbaugh wearing his Adidas cleats that he, he colored <laughs> over with a Sharpie um, because he didn't like Adidas. Uh, he wanted a Nike, but the Adidas one, I guess, fit his feet. But, yeah, this man really wore his cleats out to go to the walking. And this is not even like – this is the day before the game, I believe it was, too. So it wasn't even like <laughs> we had a game in the next few hours. This was just Harbaugh being Harbaugh. So I think that was – at that point, I was like, yeah, this dude just truly loves the game. He loves the sport. Um so that was my funniest story about Coach Harbaugh. I him wearing the cleats into a super religious place and wasn't surprised that he was wearing cleats. Well, he, he wears those everywhere too, doesn't he? He wears them like yeah, during the, the game. People always say he always wore them, like he wears them everywhere, and I didn't believe them. I was like, yeah, there's no way that he would wear them. I, like, I, like, I was like, yeah, okay, maybe he wears them practice and stuff, but no, he actually wears them. He probably wears them shopping, not to be honest. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if he wears them shopping, if he wears them to the airport, and I just – I wouldn't be surprised if you just some more like a regular slippers. <laughs> That's yeah. I can't really put anything. I mean, the story this year when they were in Penn state, when his pants caught on fire and yeah, it, it it's, it's, it's always, a, there's, I always laugh when I hear a good Harbaugh story is the, is it true? Cause I remember reading an, a different article though about the not, he doesn't want you guys eating chicken before a game because it's a nervous bird. Yeah, he said, yeah, no, he don't want to eat chicken for the game because it's, it's a nervous bird. So we never ate chicken. We ate steak and uh, pretty much steak before games. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he and really I used to say that. I, I remember reading that. Now I think somehow I've started that. I do, I coach. And then if I have anything big, I, I eat steak before. I don't eat chicken before Michigan games. Yeah. I don't eat chicken. I eat steak. So, which I, it has no implication to how Michigan's going to play, but I, you know what? Coach Harbaugh does it. It must work. So yeah, Harbaugh doesn't do anything that doesn't work. <laughs> so you finished your career at Michigan. It was a great career. Uh, probably wish you would have been able to get a, get a win against Ohio state. JT was short. We all know that. <laughs> what was, what was, I, I guess, yeah, I'll ask you, what was that game? You know, cause you were on the field when that play happened, correct? Yeah, I was uh, on the field. I was right behind Delano, um, actually. And when I saw it, I was like, yes, we're finally going to beat them. But, I mean, everybody look at that play like, you know, that's that's the play that determined the game. And honestly, it wasn't, man. We were we were whooping our ass um, the whole game. And what killed us is, you know, Wilton threw a uh, – I think it was a pick six. Then he yep. fumbled on the goal line, and yep. then he another had another interception. So it's it just like we had three turnovers, you know. And I remember when we were beating them; it was quiet. Our horseshoe was you couldn't do anything, you couldn't hear anything. It was just super quiet. <laughs> and then once you got those three turnovers, you know that's that's what happened, man. You know the defense went out there and did everything they can, and three turnovers killed us. So I mean, I know it sucks that he wasn't a first down, and I still to this day tell myself it wasn't a first down. But then I started thinking about the game as as being an athlete out there and just saying there's, there shouldn't even been in this game. Like that shouldn't even, that should have been, you know, that play should have been there 
for them, hopefully to try to to try the least lose by seven, you know, because yeah. we were we were we were up a lot, you know, but you know, it is what it is. Um I always tell people if we had uh Jay Grudock as a quarterback that year, uh we we beat them and I think we won a national championship. I, I've been I've been I've also been in that camp. I've said that for a long time. I said you have Jake Rudock because at the end of that 2015 season, boy, was he cooking with those with Darbo Chesson, Grant Perry, all those guys yeah. cooking. You get another off season together and then just developing that chemistry. And yeah. the way he was able to use his leg, he wasn't, nobody looked at Jake Rudock and thought he was a Running. runner, but yeah, he, can he, run. he was very, he was effective with it. He, yeah. he knew how to get out of, out of situations. And that was probably one of his biggest strengths. I yeah. think that was something that, Harbaugh really, uh, he har some Harbaugh magic that because at Iowa you didn't really see that. Yeah, no, not that much. But I, I, I will say I think that um, one thing that Rudock did a, a really good job with was not having turnovers. Yeah. Um, and I remember telling Wilton before the Ohio State game, I was like, "Yo, man, if if you don't have turnovers, we win in this game." Because we knew our defense against their offense. They they couldn't go toe to toe with us. Um, you know they had they did have a, a uh, Malachi. They did have a really really good slot receiver, but it was like, all right, we got Jordan Lewis, we got Jabril Peppers, we got Channing Stribling. Yep. Three out of one of these guys are going to strap you up. Um, and in in that game, at first, you know, me and Delano was covering him, and we was having, you know, it's it's a different ball game covering somebody that's quick and shifty like that and being bigger safeties, you know. Cause he's yep. really, he's a, he's, he was a really, really great receiver. So then we're like, so our adjustment was, all right, Jordan, like you're the best corner like that we got, like physically you, this is you, like you can cover small guys like this. And we was like, Jabril, you just got to get us home. Like you got to create, create, uh, keep creating pressure, but we need you by the box, you know, just in case they do run. And me and Delano, we're like, all right, one of us is going to say hi. And we're just going to go cover the bigger receivers because they don't move as well as the slot. So once we went into that, they had no answer. They couldn't do anything. Like they were just frozen. But yeah, if we don't have turnovers that game, we win. But Rudock was a great at great with not turning the ball over. And I wish O'Corn would have panned out. Um, yeah, he, he came in and he came in with all the you know the confidence and the cockiness that you would want from a quarterback. But he he just it's I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, he had such a great year at Houston, and yep. He gets to Michigan, then I'm like, oh yeah, like Rudolph going, O'Corn gonna come in here. We bought the ball, like he a, a true dual threat quarterback, and then he just never panned out. So yeah, I think it was just a mental thing with him because I, I think it, I think he peaked. I think some athletes you get to that peak, yep, and you get comfortable and you think you're better than what you are. Um, I think if he would have stayed humble, stayed hungry, stayed motivated, and, and wanted to be the best rather than. I had that good year at Houston. Everybody should know me. Like, I, I feel like that's what I think that's what hurt him is he felt like he's arrived. Like he felt like he was the guy. He was the man. And he thought that when he came to Michigan, he was just going to start. Um, but to be honest, Michigan hasn't had a great quarterback in years, man. Like even a quarterback yeah. that we have recently, they're like they're good enough to do the job. But I mean, you think about a house state, Alabama, um, shoot, Oklahoma, like. How are these guys landing quarterbacks that are true dual threat quarterbacks that are just great four star, five star athletes that's just balling? Now, I think that young guy that we got, I think McCarthy. he's a great quarterback. Um, but my biggest concern from him is what is his size going to be? You know, like you, yeah. you want some type of size as a quarterback, but 
I mean, you think about all these national championship teams that win national championships. The one thing all of them have in common is a dual threat quarterback. Yeah. And we seem to always either get a quarterback that's either really good at running and not passing or really uh-huh. good at passing, but not running. It's, it's like, we can never find both. Yeah. Well, that, and I think some of it might be too, is just what they have behind them where they don't want to use their legs because they know what's behind them. And it's not, yeah, it's not exactly there, but we'll uh, move on a little bit. We talked about probably most disappointing. What was the most memorable game you had at Michigan? Uh, Indiana, our senior year, uh, the snowstorm came. Oh, out. yep. Uh, that was the game leading up to going to Ohio State. Um, so that game was special to us, man. It was our last, it was our last hoorah. You know, a lot of us was going uh, into the NFL that year uh, for defense. So that was my most memorable game is Indiana, the snowstorm. Okay. Yep. That was uh, at snow and football. That's those are games you don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so you graduate. What was the draft? Your draft process like? Did you go? I know some. A lot of players, they go down to Florida or California to train. Did you go move anywhere to train, or were you? Yeah, I was around? in Cali. Okay. I was in Cali at Exos, uh, at Carson. I was there, and then I kind of got – I want to say I got homesick, but I got all my guys' pro day started coming up, all the guys I was training with. So, I, it was like me there kind of by myself, and I was like, yeah, I don't I don't like this. Um, then I ended up coming back to Michigan and training with one of the guys. Um, his name is Jim. And he got me right. So, yeah, I went to Exos and ended up back at Michigan. Okay. What um, did you – were you invited to the Combine? No, nah, I thought I was going to get an invitation, but I never got one, which, I mean, I always say, like, things work for, you know, mysterious ways. I don't think I would have ran a super fast 40 at that time because that, that you know, the, the, uh, the Combine's come up pretty fast. And since I didn't do the Combine, I think I had, like, another month uh, maybe a month and a half to train because our, our pro day was so late at Michigan. So it was I, – I think it worked out in my favor. Now, don't get me wrong. I think if I went there, I will show up and show out. Um, and I think I probably could have got drafted because, I, I mean, I was – I know I looked good in everything I did, but I think mentally I was so caught up with – I can't believe I'm not hearing from any coaches yet or anything like that. I think mentally I wasn't ready at that time. Okay, yeah. And then so what teams did you – what teams were you able to – did you work out for, and what other, what teams did you hear from? I worked out for – I worked out for the Lions. Um, uh, I think every team in the in your – like the, the, the state that your college is, I think they can that, – that pro team can invite you in to do like a little camp, and they invite like all the people in Michigan that's trying to get drafted and stuff like that. Um, but that was it. Um, I – I heard from the Ravens. I heard from the Broncos. I heard from the Lions. I heard from the Colts. Um, I heard from a few other teams. And the Broncos is actually my 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 signing bonus for them was five thousand. I had teams that offered me more, but to me, I felt like Denver has so many athletes and so many yep. tools on defense that I was just like, even if I don't make the team here, I can learn so much from a team to leave and Chris Harris and. Uh, Darren Stewart and TJ Ward, like when you think about it, man, they they have some great athletes out there. Oh, yeah. so I wanted to learn how to compete. I wanted to learn how to be a pro. Um, so why not go to somewhere where they're stacked at at those positions where I can learn all that? So okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they were just coming off the Super Bowl two years from yeah. when you signed. Did you 
leading up into the draft and hearing throughout the days, did you have an idea of if you were or weren't going to get drafted? Was was it a surprise you weren't drafted, or did you already kind of have an idea that you knew? Yeah, man, so I had a family member over for the draft party, and the Ravens called me, and they're like, hey, we're thinking about taking you in the fourth round. If we don't take you, we're taking a quarterback. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, I really want to play with you, Harbaugh. You know, your, your, your brother coached me. I loved him. I know you guys are, you know, the same because he came around a few times too. you know, obviously hang out with his brother and talk to us as a team and stuff. But um, as they came up on the fourth, um, I get a call. And so I'm telling everybody, turn everything down. think I'm going in the fourth. I get a call and it's hardball. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that I'm really trying to pull for you. We're either going to take you or a quarterback right here. So I'm like, all right, cool. Next thing you know, it comes up and it says, uh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens is going to select safety. And I was like, oh. And then they said another safety from a different school. Oh. I was like, no way. So <laughs> he was like, man, I'm sorry. You know, I really hope that you will still come out here for training camp and stuff like that. And I I, I, I was I was pretty mad that I didn't care that I didn't get drafted. That what, what, what I was mad about is the honesty. Like, if you're not going to draft me, just say you're not going to draft me, man. Like, if and that, now, you know, and I probably would have ended up going to the Ravens if he would have just kept honest. But once you burn that bridge of honesty, like I'm, to me, I'm like, all right, what? You're going to say I'm going to come out here and you're going to give me a shot and then you're yep. just already going to cut me because, you know, you already got guys that you want. So I was like, I want to go somewhere with a fresh start, a new start. And what's crazy is against them, um, I think it was my second year. I was hurt a lot my second year. Um, we're at the, uh, I'm warming up trying to see if my body can go and, and it wasn't ready. I couldn't go. And he comes over to me. He's like, Hey, DeMonte. And I was surprised that, you know, he remembered my name and he was like, Hey, I just want to, you know, officially apologize on the way things went down. It was like, it had nothing to do with, uh, the player you are. You know, I watch you on film on special team. I think you're a hell of a player. I think you're a great player. Um, just unfortunately, you know, some things I just can't control. And at the time, I didn't, like, at that time, I understood, like, I get it, you know, being, playing there in the NFL, I know how it's a big business, but when you're a college athlete, like, you don't understand that. Um, but he apologized, and we shook hands, and um, it was cool, you know, so after that, my hatred for him was over, I was like, <laughs> you know, he's he's a cool dude, he's a good guy, because he remembered my name, and two, he remembered, you know, what happened, um, so it was, it was cool. Yeah, that's definitely a cool story, glad you guys were able to bury the hatchet so did you what other teams did you have offers from uh after the uh in the undrafted period um obviously denver and the ravens uh the colts uh the lions the lions db coach really liked me um and i can't remember exactly who else um kind of after my agent handled everything for me um and he's the one to say hey let's go to denver and then that's when i got on the phone with denver and stuff but he was telling me, like, at, after I did my pro day, a lot of the coaches started calling him um, because I ran a fast forward that looked good in my drills because everyone thought I was slow. They were like, ah, oh, we think he's slow. We think he's slow. And then when I ran a 4-4-5, they were like, oh, like, he can actually move. Like, And I've always been fast. I've always been a 4-2, a 4-2-4-3-4-4 guy. Um, so it, it was – I remember running it and the coach, hearing coaches say, oh, wow, who is that? Because, you know, <laughs> I, I looked it smooth. So – yeah, um, but those are the teams that I had. Gotcha. And then, so you got the call. Did you get the call from John Elway then? Honestly, the- I don't even. Honestly, I don't even remember. I don't know if it was Elway or the head. I think it was a safety coach. 
Okay. I think Mark Rob called me and was like, hey, man, we really want you to come be a safety for us. What do you think about coming out here and playing for us? And I love Mark Rob, uh, even to this day. Actually, I'm going to have to text him or call him after this because I haven't talked to him in a while. But Mark Rob is a – he played in the league for a long time, but he was a great coach and a great mentor for me. You know, he taught me a lot about football um, and, knowing the, and knowing the football field and understanding everything as far as in, like, playbooks and understanding the concepts and route combinations. So he taught me a lot of the the football aspect of the game and how to be a true pro okay yeah for sure what 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 did you have a lot of interactions with john elway or when you were in Denver, uh, what was what was, like? what was he like what was he like he was he was uh he was cool you know i like john elway um i never had a problem with him but a lot you know i'm from ohio so a lot of people hated him because of what he oh, did yep. the Browns. um yep. so I, I i brought that up to him i was like you know i'm from ohio and i was like my grandma wanted me to tell you this that she still hates you to this day, <laughs> and he just starts laughing. Um, but you know, you, you don't really talk to the, you know, you don't talk to him that much because he's always doing something, or you're always doing something. But the little times that you had to talk to him, he he was a good dude. He was a good guy. I never had a problem with him um, until he decided to cut me. Then I was pissed <laughs> at him. But it's a business, so I get it. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was he was a cool dude. Yeah, for sure. So get you sign with Denver and you go to rookie mini camp and you have your mini camps and then go through training camp. What did you have a, through all that process? Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment? Like where it was, Oh, this is, this is different from college or high school, man. Now I was, I was so geared in and focused and pissed off that I didn't get drafted and the way that things went down with the Ravens that I just put my hard hat on and just went to work. Like I didn't think anything outside of just, being the best I could be on this football field and doing that. I think it didn't hit me until I think it was my, like the end of my first season where it finally all sunk in. I was like, dang, like I'm actually, you know, I'm in the NFL. Like this is what I live for. This is what I dreamed for, for years. So it, it took a very long time for it to settle in. Okay. What was, what was that like running out of the tunnel for the first time, whether it be preseason or in the regular? So what was, what type of what were the type of emotions you had when you were able to run out of that tunnel on an NFL field for the first time? To me, it was just the same. You know, I've been playing football since I was five. Um, so I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong, I was super excited. You know, I had the butterflies, but to me, it felt like I was running out on the football field for the very first time when I was five again. And you know, you just take a deep breath and sink it all in, and then you just, you know, you go play ball. But I think being, playing at Michigan, I was just like. They, they don't have 110,000 fans. So, like, yeah. I was just calm and relaxed and chill. Um, I will say, though, Denver, um, Maha Stadium is a lot louder than uh, Michigan's. Um, and obviously, it's because Michigan grows up like this. But, yeah, that stadium was rocking. It used yeah. to get so loud. Like, it used to shake. So, it was cool. Um, I think that moment when I was on the field and you look around and you just hear it, defense and it's just shaking and it's loud and you got guys against you that's been in the NFL for years you got guys that you're going against that you grew up watching and you idled and you wanted to be like growing up and stuff and in that moment it's like when I was out there in the middle of the field I just looked up and I was like dang like this is you know this is it um so I think that moment stuck out more to me than running out of the tunnel it's, it was actually stepping on the field and just hearing it and and listening to everything and watching everything just play out Okay. Yeah, for sure. It was, yeah, that, I can't imagine what that's like. Did, 
because you started your rookie year you were most you were mostly on the practice squad yeah and then as a as an undrafted guy did you have a part during training camp or during a preseason game where you had that feeling that it clicked like I'm gonna make the roster yeah I mean every day I felt like I could make it because you know one guy down the next person's up um but that year we didn't have that many injuries um you know everyone was pretty healthy and then at the end of the season you know the coaches wanted to see you know what you can do so the last three games they allowed me to play and I have fun you know I made some good plays and obviously made some like small minor mistakes but the one thing I did was I played fast I played hard and I ran around with like a chicken with a head cut off you know I was just trying to do everything um so that was that was pretty fun for me yeah, that's one thing I remember I always liked about you when you played for Michigan is you always seemed to be in the right place. You played played your ass off. It was you and you always if you made a mistake, you did it going 100 miles an hour. So and I don't I, I don't ever remember screaming at the TV. God damn it, DeMonte, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you made out of it, but my dad definitely did. He, he's all he's my biggest critic. He's always calling me or texting. Me. He texts me during the game. What the hell are you doing on his coverage? What coverage are you in? I'm like, what, Dad, what does it matter? Like, it plays over with. Yeah, he used to be the biggest critic. So I'm glad you didn't yell at the TV. <laughs> yeah, well, tough love. That's what dads are for. Yeah. And I'm sure now now that you're a father, you'll be, as uh, your son moves up the ranks and starts playing, you'll be, a, you, you'll be, be the same way. Oh, I'm going to be on his ass for every little mistake <laughs> that he makes. Well, he got a lot to live up to. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, and then in, you had some injuries and then what, when did you decide that you were, uh, yeah, your time was up in the NFL? What was, what was, what went through as far as like, you know, you sat down and thought I've, I've had a good run. I've time to move on to the next stage of my life. Yeah. I think, uh, when I got hurt, I had to sit out a year. Um, I was like, all right, I can, I can do this for two or three more years. And then COVID happened. So you know, once COVID happened, it was like everything shut down. Cause I had teams contact me as soon as I got hurt, but COVID shut everything down. And after a year of COVID or two years of COVID, you know, I couldn't, you couldn't do much, you know, all the travel restrictions were so strict. And then the NFL was getting strict. It was just like, so then, you know, I was just like, you know what, it's, you know, it's my time just to hang it up. It's, it's my time just to give it up. You know, I had, I had a great run. I have fun. Um, I'm part of the 1% um, that can say they played in, you know, had a son and just like, you know what, it, now I live for him. Everything I do is for him. So. Yeah, for sure. And then what, what got you interested in being a, cause now you're a real estate agent. What, what got you in interested in selling houses? I've, I've always liked real estate. Um, I've always seen like a lot of rich people, a lot of ses- successful people have always been in real estate. Um, so, you know, one day I was just sitting here and I was like, you know, I was playing Warzone all the time and, <laughs> I woke up one day, I was like, I, I can't let my life become this. Um, I had no money coming in. I was like, my money is just continuing, just going down for paying for bills and stuff. I was like, I have to have some type of job where I have income. It's not like I was a multimillionaire and I have millions yep. of dollars to sit on. So I was just like, you know, I went through a deep depression. I was just like, you know what? Like enough is enough. Like you can control your life. Like you can, if you wanted something bad enough in life, you'll find out a way to get it. And started thinking, what can I do? What should I do? And I was like, let me go get my real estate license. You know, I've always wanted to be a realtor if sports never worked out or something like that. So I, you know, I got my license and 
and, you know, I've been having fun with it ever since. Um, I like helping people. I like helping people find their dream homes and helping people, you know, sell homes, whether, um, you know, they're selling to buy another house or they're selling to move out of state. You know, I just love helping people and meeting people. And I met a lot of interesting people through real estate. So it's cool. And I get to golf a lot, so can't complain too much. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You can't, can't complain when you're on a golf course. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're playing bad, but. Well, I play bad all the time. (laughs) Well, you know what they say, DeMonte, is a bad round of golf beats a good day of work. That's very true. Yeah. And it it is a very interesting process. I just recently went through the process. I just bought a home at the end of last year. So it's, it's a lot to uh, a lot of information to figure out and find, but definitely if you are in the Colorado area, hit DeMonte up, he'll get you into the right home. And then you also, and then when did you, uh, start your performance academy what's it what's it called a demanded thomas sports academy okay. um i started that last year i was training kids for free and then decided to you know start a gym and open a gym um because i think there's a lot of kids out here that find a, a trainer or a mentor and i won't say they got them down the wrong path or the wrong way but i think that's some of the things that they teach them there's different ways to do it and there's different ways to approach it and i got tired of getting on Instagram and uh, Google and seeing all these weird and crazy uh, drills that I'm just like, this kid, there's no point or reason this kid should be doing a drill like this. Like there's so many other drills that can help a kid um, become a better athlete, mentally, physically, um, spiritually, whatever the case may be. So I wanted to help kids reach their dreams and their goals. Um, I had a, a mentor um, slash trainer growing up as a kid myself. Um, he actually coached my dad in football as well, but, you know, he, he mentored me a lot and he taught me a lot about how, how to become a, you know, a better athlete mentally and how to become a better athlete when I compete and how to let things go. And he was like a father figure to me. So I want to be a role model for these youth kids so that one day they will be given a podcast, speaking to someone saying, you know, I had a guy that helped me reach my dreams and my goals that I really looked up to. And now I want to do the same thing. So um, I think if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing now, but he has such a strong impact on me and my life um, that I I wanted to be like him. I wanted to do something similar to him. Yeah, for sure. It's it's always cool to see, especially like you said, like you see stuff on social media and it, that's just a toxic place, especially where people glamorize. Like you'll see guys going up in other kids' face, start clapping in them. And then the technique is off and like people just – what what you're not watching the right stuff it's yeah like it it's or it's like the technique is awful just bad so it's definitely a good thing do you train athletes and things other than football or is it just mostly a football uh we do every sport every athlete we got gymnasts basketball players baseball players lacrosse players uh football players we got it all okay do you do you get a lot of crossover between sports athletes what what age groups do you train uh, six through 18. And okay. yeah, we get a lot of cross sport athletes, athletes that do more than uh, one sport, but there are also a lot of athletes that just do one sport, which to me is really weird to be a young athlete playing one sport. Because if you look at the NFL draft, most of the guys who are drafted were two or three sport athletes. And I think yep. every, like every sport ties into the other sport that helps you become a better all overall athlete. Um, so if you're watching this or listening to this, parents, please stop trying to tell your kids that they should only do one sport and they should only focus on one sport because granted, they will probably be good at that one sport. Don't get me wrong, but you're missing out on other sports 
that would help them. You know, wrestling is my favorite sport that helped me become a better athlete overall, especially mentally. You know, you're pushing your body each and every day in that weight room in a 105 degree heat type of room and you're pushing people your size and you're getting your ass kicked every day that when I stepped on the football field, I stepped on the baseball field, even in life, it was just like, nothing was harder than that. I can get through anything because I got through that. And so definitely if you're one of those parents that are trying to make your son play just one sport or daughter play one sport, let them let them play mini sports. I got one athlete. He's one of the best athletes in my gym. His mom actually got him in golf, tennis, football, basketball, and football, and I think wrestling. And, oh, that's he good. and he's by far one of the best athletes I have. Overall, just I can tell him do something. He just looks incredible. And it's because yeah. he does a lot of sports. Well, that and I think it helps them mental get develop mental toughness as well. Where yeah. especially when you're playing golf, you can hit a great shot, your next shot, you just duff it three feet in front of you. Yeah. And just developing that mental toughness where you can get over it and just move on to the next play if you make a mistake, things like that. So you also played wrestling and baseball. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, and going back to wrestling, when I w- went to NDSU, I remember in the dining center, I'd go watch these watch wrestlers. They'd go up and they'd pour a little bit of chocolate milk. They'd swish it around their milk, their mouth, just so they get a little bit of taste of it. Like wrestling. Yeah. yeah physically, but also where you have to watch what you're eating and you cutting weight like that. That's one of the most mentally tough sports you have to have. Be, Discipline. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. So that that's a very great uh, perspective. And it's awesome that you're doing that and getting kids involved and just opening them up. And yeah, and, you, and you're it builds it builds a team through high school. I know in North Dakota, where I am, most of these schools are pretty small. So yeah. you see a lot of kids playing different sports because there's a lot of good football players that can help out the track team throwing yeah. or bringing bodies in football like that. And it just gets you a better bond with your, with your teammates and classmates throughout every sport. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where we'll wrap it up today and I'll give you a chance. Let you let them, let you plug your socials where people can find you at and get in touch with you, whether they're buying a house, if you want, want to train train with the monte so <laughs> yeah you can just reach out to, at my email at my first name at d-y-m-o-n-t-e at b-s-w realestate.com um you shoot me an email i'll definitely reach out to you and help you in any way i can whether it's whether you want to become a realtor whether you're looking to sell or buy or invest in a property or maybe you want to start your own gym or maybe you already do and you want to ask some questions about you know, training athletes, um, just reach out. I'm like an open book. I'll answer any question that you guys have. Appreciate you for having me, brother. Yeah, no, no doubt. We'll have to get you on again at some point. Thanks to Monte. Yep. You have a great day. This meeting is being recorded. Okay. We're back. This is a good in- interview. Exciting. I was good to catch up with DeMonte and Grant and Ethan weren't able to join us, like I said, like as you you'll be able to tell, but I'm excited to hear their reaction next week when we come back and talk about it. We kind of had some different some timing issues, so it wasn't able to work out where we were able to get all three of us in the same place talking with them. But excited to hear their reaction next week is which is how we'll start the show. And we'll keep talking about 
the Grant, Ethan, you guys are in Minnesota. The Wild went full Minnesota sports last night and just laid an egg. I don't know. I was not a. I was not watching. I don't know if Ethan was watching. I know Grant. He is our resident Wild fan and person I go to for my hockey information. So, Grant, the floor is yours. Well, we start out. Um, the Wild. They they looked like they didn't want to be there. The first first ten minutes of that game, they were being outshot seven to two. They weren't playing with with any speed they were you know getting real lazy um you know out here again flurry again gave up an early goal to ryan o'reilly with off a off a bat off a bad rebound and then also when ryan was in front of the net no wild defenseman was put a body on him and was being physical and when they saw the loose change in front of the net they didn't scramble and they didn't they didn't react to you know try to get ryan out of the way and, and make sure their goaltender didn't give up you know, that goal, which, which he did. And then all of a sudden things changed, you know, about 10 minutes in the blues blues committed a penalty. The wild were, uh, you know, on a power play and Kaprizov put her in the net. It was then one, one at this point. And then, you know, you fast forward later wild, get another power play. Kaprizov again, puts it in the net and it's two, one XL energy center is rocking. And they're rolling, and it, it's it's looking like you know the Wild they got a, they got a two one lead. The momentum's on their side. They're gonna, they're going to put this thing home, but uh, they just they kind of let St. Louis hang around. And St. Louis is the one team where you don't want these guys to hang around because they're grimy, they're gritty, and they're just they're not going to go away unless you put them away, like what the Wild did in in Game Three. And like I said, they just kind of let them hang around. They let them hang around. And then like what St. Louis does best, they just put the puck on net and Brandon Saad, two-time champ for the Chicago Blackhawks, now playing for the Blues, happened to be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, puck goes off a stick, gets past Flurry, it's 2-2. And at that moment, XL Energy Center was dead. In a snap of a finger, they just, there was no juice in the building anymore, or excuse me, there was no energy. They looked like they've seen stars, like you said, Dylan, of Minnesota collapse was about to happen and then you know Vladimir Tarasenko just takes over in the third period two goals in the first two and a half minutes it's 4-2 and this is what St. Louis does best after that when they're up 4-2 short shifts 30 second shifts dumping in the zone clog the middle they're going to be physical with you and they just didn't give the wild a chance to score and you know with three and a half minutes left they pulled flurry but you know Vladimir put her home make it 5-2 natural hat trick and, um, you know, it's 3-2 wild going back to St. Louis on Thursday. Which and also, it? excuse me, another thing I wanted to say, after game three, I, I told everyone, you know, at work, you know, the friends, I said, the Blues are going to bring Bennington in because they needed a change at goaltender and they needed a spark. You know, let's not forget in 2019, you know, he went like 53-19-2 and two when, uh, you know, right after Mike Yo was fired and they went on that magical stretch to win the Stanley Cup. And so far in these two games, you know, Bennington's done this. He's had 30-plus saves in both games. So that was the momentum shift that the uh, the Blues needed. I don't think the Wild is going to go to Cam Talbot, but who knows? Maybe they will because over this whole series, they've given up plenty of rebounds and plenty of second opportunities to the Blues to score. 
So, you know, maybe the coaching staff is going to get together and say, you know what, this is cam series. So let's, let's see tomorrow night because it's like I said, it's, it's go big or go home for the wild right now. And to have the second best record in the West this year to lose in six games potentially would be uh, unacceptable. Well, especially after going after such a big guy, like Mark Andre, Andre Fleury, who's won a couple mm-hmm. of Stanley cups and probably one of the biggest trades in-season trades the Wild have made in since the franchise's existence, maybe? Oh, yeah, and absolutely. And even, like, last year, he, you know, he won the Vesna as, you know, the best goaltender league for Las Vegas. And a Las Vegas team who beat the Wild last year in Game 7 in the first round. And then Mark gets traded to the Blackhawks this offseason, which I really didn't understand. I mean, I knew the Blackhawks, they needed a goaltender for years now because once Corey Crawford – had to retire medically due to concussions. Well, that it depends who you ask. I think a lot of Blackhawks fans, or the ones we knew, were ready to get rid of Crawford when we were in college, which is about eight years ago now. But it just doesn't make sense because he was actually playing really well, and people forget they once had the best blue line in the NHL. But over the years, you know, you build the team up and you bring it down, you're not going to have the same blue line in front of your goaltender anymore. And he might not be playing as well, but that, like I said, ever since Crawford left, I don't think Chicago has been the same. Um, but then yeah, the wild, they, they make that trade in season with a team from the division and they say, we're going for it. Hey, this, this is our year. You got a hell of a squad. We're going to do this. And uh, you know, for the wild sake, the one player they need to get going is Kevin Fiala. Fiala, excuse, excuse me. He has been very quiet this series and for the blues to be out, you know, Nick Letty, Marco Scandella, and Robert Bertuzzo for Scandell hasn't played all series, but for those other two to be gone three games and they came back last night for the wild, not to capitalize that that's, that's unacceptable for that team and that organization. Well, in the wild, I believe they've been, they were at the top of the Western conference for most of the season, not. They were, they were behind, second, Colorado. behind Colorado, Colorado right now. They are different team. They're just, they're, yeah. they're the best of the best. They, they, they led the West this year, kind of like, um, you know, Phoenix, they're just the number one, number one team all year. But in terms of points wise, like I said, you know, the wild, they were second behind Colorado and they only finished six points behind them in the regular season. It's just, unfortunately with the janky way the NHL has their playoffs set up makes no sense with the facing the divisional team. They they're playing St. Louis, which would be the four seed if it was the one through eight matchup. Who would they be playing if it was a regular one through eight matchup then? Oh, they'd they'd be the two seed. Okay. Maybe oh, seed, yeah. another thorn They're, in their side. So another thorn, another playoff thorn in the side. Yeah, it's 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 funny. The Wild just can't get past the Central Division. For for the longest time, it was it was the Blackhawks in 2017 when the Wild had another very good team. It was the Mike Yo led Blues, where you know um, you know Jake Allen just had played the series of his life, and then you know whenever they play Dallas, it's just, they just, they can't get past the central division. It seems like. Yeah. And game six, Thursday night in St. Louis back against the wall. We're going to see what, see what the wild are made of and hopefully see if they can force it to a game seven and we'll stay in the state of Minnesota and we'll go over to the twins who swept the A's over the, over the weekend, over mother's day weekend, which, we haven't even talked about. So, how did you? How was your guys' uh, Mother's Day out? I know Ethan, you were able to spend it back in back in your hometown, have yeah. brunch with her. So, 
Yeah, had a nice buffet, had some prime rib. Cheryl had a mimosa. It was it was fantastic. She loved it. <laughs> Grant? I, you know, it's nothing nothing too crazy. Spent spent the morning at work and then um, actually Ethan and I on Sunday got together, played around the golf, but you know, gave my mom a call on the way up there and she said, you know, hey, I did did what I like to do best. Me and your dad, we went out to eat a couple of times, so I didn't have to clean the dishes. Um, no, no housework to do. She just, uh, enjoyed the day being an empty nester with no, no kids around to harass her. And this like isn't that. mother's day related, but going back to our golf round, me and Grant probably played the best nine that we've might've oh the back nine was, I mean, <laughs> probably the best nine holes we've ever played in our life. I shot a 40 Grant shot a 42 mm-hmm. and I hit a 25 foot birdie on 18 Ooh. to walk off and get a staring point. So like, it was a good night. Not well, bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, it to, was decent. To, to start, to start the podcast, you know, I mentioned I played Saturday too and Saturday in the group of four that I played with, I, I played the best on Saturday too. You know, we're talking 270 to 300 yard drives consistently. Yeah. We're going straight. Iron, iron game was on point. It felt great. If there was a par five, we're going driver, five iron, light wedge to get on the green, and we're two putting, maybe a three putt here and there. But, you know, it's, it was one of those things where you look at it and you're like, when you're on in a golf round, there's nothing better in the world. Nothing no. can slow you down. I'm you, not saying I was know? Tiger, but I was one over on three par threes on the back. Eh, not bad. Not bad. Pretty yeah. decent. And, you know, that's yeah. the nice part about Minnesota in Minneapolis. There's so many courses. You just open up the Golf Now app and you look yeah. for deals and you can, you know, Manitow Ridge and like White Bear Lake for $33, yeah. 18 in a cart, twilight hours. 70 graded course. I mean, like, let's let's go. Pretty it was, good. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I got to had Mother's Day over at my parents' house. Had my grandma, my aunts and uncles, and the sister came home, surprised my mom for oh, Mother's Day. And so, yeah, it was a good time. Had some great food, some good conversations, and just yeah, it was a nice, enjoying, relaxing day. And ended the day watching winning, watching the season finale of Winning Time. Which ended, and now I gotta wait until season two. So, John C. Riley is a great Jerry Bus, which is weird to think because the only John C. Riley I can really see is with him and Will Ferrell together, whether it be Step Brothers or Ricky Bobby. But yeah, it was a good series, and now, now I gotta wait again, which I actually kind of like. I think we need to start bringing those series back where you gotta wait until where it's not just this Netflix where you just binge them all, where it's just week yeah. by week each episode. How long a countdown until Yellowstone's back? They haven't said. I don't know. Okay, I guess they said summer, yeah. So I'm hoping late July. Yeah, hopefully. But, yeah, we'll go. We'll, like I said earlier, we uh, Twins were able to get a sweep over the A's. Now they got a, after a day off Monday, they're playing the Astros. They had to. Got shut out Tuesday night, five nothing, facing Justin Verlander. Bucks, Buxton and Correa both were out of the lineup, but looking to bounce back. I think this is going to be a really good measuring stick to see where the Twins are, especially against this series, playing you know the perennial powerhouse of the American League and the Astros. And I would say yes and no to that. 
because we are we're down. We're down a lot of guys. I mean, you got Sano down. Correa ain't playing this series. He went to the ten day yesterday. Yep. Buxton's back tonight at least. Um, so oh, he is. Okay. Good news there. There's good news there. Buxton's back tonight. But I mean, you lose Paddock. Um, he wasn't going to pitch a series, but I mean, it sounds like Tommy John's an option for him. Ugh. Bailey Over's just coming back. So, I mean, we're, Arias, I think, should be back sometime this week, but he's coming off COVID, so it's kind of hard what to expect off of that. But uh, we're not healthy at the right time. Um, a series was good, but bullpen, that's kind of been, that's what saved us that, that series was the bullpen. Um, I think they are the fourth like highest war bullpen in the MLB right now which going into the year I don't think anyone would have predicted that at this point but Duran's been unbelievable we just called up another high octane arm today um 28 year old out of Cuba making his probably probably gonna make his debut tonight um probably he's taking Paddock's spot but uh yeah we went Friday Yep. Me and Grant, oh yeah, that's Roy right. You guys did go. How was yep. how was, was that game? It was good. What's the what's the vibes at Target Field like this year? Of your first, it was that's your first. For, I mean, is that your first Twins game this year? First Twins game. For good, it was good weather. The the bottom ball up until about the outfield line was pr- pretty full. It was good crowd. Okay. I'm guessing probably fourteen to sixteen thousand. I mean, for an early May game. You know, yeah, not your, terrible. your first Friday, and then also the weather's finally turning. Yeah, it was the first night I was probably you about know, 50 he, per he, game here in Minnesota. So, okay. you know, everyone they're out, you know, it's it's patio season now. People are, you know, maybe getting, you know, dinner outside at, you know, Maynard's and Lord Fletcher's. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a Justin Bieber concert that same night yeah, at Target, even know Target Center. It's kind of funny. <laughs> You know, you go to Jack's before the game, you're on the rooftop, the sun's out, you know, everyone's having a good time. And they're playing all these Bieber songs. And you got, you know, girls across the bar wearing Justin Bieber t-shirts. Belieber shirts. Belieber shirts. Believer. Thank, you. I, Thank you. I don't know if you're a believer. I am and a big believer I'm, I'm guy. sitting back like, oh, they're just, they're just big fans. Yeah. I didn't know Justin was still, you know, touring or anything like that. He, he, I guess he, this was his tour from like two years ago that was canceled because of COVID, I guess, or something oh, like that. Okay. Uh, I don't know. That's what I was told by some believers. And, um, but you know, if this team keeps winning, you know, on a Friday night like this, when the sun comes out in the summer, the the target field is going to be the place to be because, you know, this is going to be what everyone does. You go to Cowboy Jacks before the game, you you know, you you get a couple of beers, maybe some dinner, and then uh, you, you take the two minute walk across the stadium. And then when it gets done, you go right back, you go right back to Jack's. And and you ha- and you have a good time. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be the um, that's gonna be Friday night Friday night and Saturday night in the summer here in Minneapolis. The twins can keep winning. We did get to see a lot of the future for the twins, and I mean a lot. I mean Jose. You guys got to see Roy Lewis's debut. We saw Lewis Lewis's yep. debut. Made a couple of really nice plays in the hole at shortstop. It's uh, first third at bat. Yep, he had a nice uh, slap single to right right side, about probably about four or five inches off the plate. Just smoked it to right field. Just literally what you're taught to do. And the next night he actually hit one off high off the right center wall, which I think I've only seen two people ever hit a right-handed hitter over that Miguel Cabrera yeah. and Miguel Snow, which, so if you're not a Miguel, you're probably not going to hit it over the right center <laughs> scoreboard, I guess is evidently what I've learned. But uh, then he saw Josh Winder too, our pitcher struck out seven over six innings and the A's never really could figure him out. There really wasn't ever solid contact that, um, they ever got against him and honestly it probably should have been more than two two runs that we scored 
we probably, I, I want to say we hit three to the fence that were like caught right at either the base of the wall or right at the wall. Well, and like, when you leave 10 guys on base, yeah, that's, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. You, yeah. Should, you should easily put up. Five, it never should have been there. that close, but no, it was fun. We got to see Pagan almost blow it again for the 10th time already this year, which is cool. But um, Duran, I think, is going to probably be the closer going forward. Yeah, for sure. Well, the guy can throw over 100 miles an hour consistently. 103 Saturday. Yeah. Totally that, that's insane. <laughs> that's a splinker because we all know what a splinker was before this year. Yeah. 98, decent. Let's drop it two feet. Fair. Glad Good I luck. don't have to try and hit it. So it, I would, what I would love to see is like the umpire view from that. So I'm standing behind the catcher with a yeah. camera. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just want to see that thing yeah. move. And just get a GoPro on the umpire's like, head. Yeah, like, exactly. Seeing it from the batter's seeing view, it like from, seeing it from seeing it from behind. Like what behind the, the f was that? Behind the batter's box, and just how quick it would come there. And it's like, all right, I'm gonna swing and I'm gonna hit this thing. How <laughs> you quick? think you're gonna? You need, hit it. you need to know. It's like it's it's, it's one of those where you have to be sitting back like you're playing MLB The Show, and as soon as this pitcher releases that ball. You're hitting square and you're trying to hit that thing 450 feet. And you hit nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to try. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay. I got softball starting next Tuesday. So yeah. that's going to be my, uh, that'll be my baseball for the summer of me. Or, well, yeah, that's going to be the, if I'm swinging at any type of ball, it's going to be a softball and excited to start because it's been, been quite a, yeah, it's been a long time. It seems like it always takes forever, and then it finally is here, and then short season, and then yeah. we're done again. So that's, that's that's one bummer for me is is I've never gotten on a softball team. I think it'd be kind of it'd be something fun in the summer, maybe play once a week, two nights a week. You know, those two games, just kind of get together with the guys, going out, having a good time, and like I said, you know, have I haven't played you know organized baseball in over over eleven yeah. years. It's just kind of fun to get out there back on the dirt you know, get a little dirty again and just yeah. kind of, you know, a good summer activity, which, you know, we don't have much time to enjoy here in Minnesota. Unlike our friends in Florida, as I'm wrapping my Tampa Bay Bucks yeah. hat, go Tristan Wirfs, go Bucks. Um, yeah. So just kind of one thing I've always kind of wish I could do. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I got, I'm also in a golf league, so excited to be starting that. I think that starts in June at some point, but was it like every week Wednesday, you know, you go and you just, you play 18 with the, with the guys there? Uh, no, it's it's just nine. So, yeah. So it's just nine. And then, yeah. So it basically, it's match play. You take everybody tees off. They take the best drive and then you play in from there. And then the two lowest scores, they'll write down. They count. So that's how it works okay. here. And then, but yeah. So even has curveball of the week this week. So let's. Let uh, the floor is yours, my man. All right, so we got we got two again. I I I did two the first time. I'll probably do two every time. But the first one, if you could change your name to anything, what would you change it to? Ooh, that is that is that isn't a curveball. That's a splinker, there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we're not hitting this thing. This is this is going hundred. I mean, this I've... is coming in. This is coming at my knees inside at one hundred three, and then it dips away. Um. Right to my to the ankle on the it's other side ridiculous. of the plate. I don't know what to do here. But uh, I can go first. Give you guys some time. So I went with Jorge, but it's not. It's spelled very differently. So you spell it like W H O R E dash 
Hey. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. That is that is ridiculous. And that I is cannot most, hear that. That is the most Ethan answer I think I've ever heard in my whole Nothing life. Nothing should be surprising here, guys. But, you know, this Dylan, the kind of the backstory with this is it was I think last summer, two summers ago, Ethan and I were out, you know, we're playing 18. I think I've and, heard uh, this story, yeah. It, oh, yeah. You're trying to do the you're trying to do the couples retreat like you're Stanley with a C. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. You know, we're sitting here. I think we're playing Bellwood Oaks just outside of Hastings, one of the most underrated courses in, in Minnesota, I may add, which um, I can't wait to play again this summer. But we thought, hey, let's change it up. Let's always, you know, uh, instead of saying, oh, Grant on the scorecard, Ethan, you know, we'll, we'll change it up a little bit. Like, you know, I think one time I was Keith with a C. It just, you know, just some, crazy something, stuff. Something stupid that really wouldn't make any sense. And then this clown came up with poor, hey, you know, a oh. couple weeks ago. And, 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 and we're here. We made it. Yes, we are. <laughs> My goodness. Well, who has an answer? Come on. Someone's got to step up to the plate. Uh, Dylan, let's you, you see got something here? here? Cause I, I, I am currently stumped. I mean, it's an O2 count and uh, I'm thinking fastball and I'm not ready for this thing that's coming my way. <laughs> well, <laughs> fastball react curve. Oh, Jesus. I think I'll, I, I'm pretty original. I think I'll just go with Tom because Tom Brady is my favorite football player of all time. My middle name is Thomas. So I'm going to go with Tom. Keep it original. So hold, hold on. You're gonna, hold on. Hold, hold, hold on here. You're going to be, Thomas Tom? No, no. <laughs> no, I said my I'm I would change my name. We're not changing real names. Tom. We're not creating hypotheticals. That's not what we're here oh, for. Oh, okay. I I don't I don't I'm not if his I'm name a basic was Tom, his real name would be Bill. That's that's true. Tom Bill? Or Tom Boy, whichever one you prefer. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, I'm I'm Tom Bill. You choose, man. You choose. I'm Tom Tom Wild Bill. There we go. There we go. I, I like that. That's better. So I think for me, you know, I was kind of struggling, and this, this just came to me as both of you guys. Ben, know. because it's Ben, your favorite player, Ben Simmons. Bambi. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not Bambi, but we're gonna stick with the um, fictional animated character um, thing from Disney here, as both of you would know. My favorite childhood movie was The Lion King. And you know, to this day, still in my room, I got the the, the Lion King decor. So I'm I'm gonna have to go with Simba. Okay. Because whenever you say that name, you know, people just they almost it's not like saying Mufasa when you get chills down your back. Ooh. But um. But just, most girls get chills when they look at you. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do I do have a face for Mufasa I do makes have more sense every day. I, I do have a face for radio here, boys. But um. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Simba just because it, it kind of feels like a powerful and authoritative name. Fair. And you just go to, like I said, our childhood, a childhood staple and a childhood favorite. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to roll Simba. Okay. Fair. All right. Number two, favorite drinking game. Ooh, favorite drinking game. I got to go with beard arts. It's, classic this, this see yeah keep things simple it's night it, weather is starting to get nice out there's nothing better than a saturday afternoon maybe even after a round of golf you go yeah. over to a buddy's house backyard you pull up a chair and you just start throwing darts at other people's beer 
talk yeah, a little you shit. Can't, you can't get like puncture wounds from any other drinking game, or I guess you can, but not likely. But no. how again? How many good stories start out with? I was drinking with the boys and I pulled a dart out and I threw it at Dylan's foot. I mean, they all they all start out fantastic like yeah. that. I, I've watched beat. a guy get one get a dart in the arm. So <laughs> I've seen foot. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a guy right. seen one get so. stuck in a guy's boot and that steel one. Steel toe boots really come in handy when you play those games. Yeah, that's true. You don't know um, you need them. Grant, until... you, you got one? Or would you like me to go again? Yeah, no. So, so I got one here. You know, again, kind of like Dylan. It's kind of kind of the classic. But I'm going to go with, um, you know, just the good old beer pong. Okay. You know, it's it's hard to beat. But nothing but what cup. Makes it, nothing but cup, baby. <laughs> but what makes – what I love the most is when you do play with, you know, the freshman cup rules. So, you know, if you hit the middle one, you got to lose your pants. But also, anytime I make a cup, let's say if I'm playing Dylan here – you have to take said drink out of that cup. We're not filling this up with water. Oh, wow. We're, We're filling it up beer. with beer. Wow. So okay. af- wow. after you- two or three after two or three games, it gets pretty wild okay. because You're no- going all no- out. nobody can stand. And you just look pretty funny trying to throw this ping pong ball into a Dixie cup after you know, after you've had after you've had a couple. Yeah, I I've I've very rarely played with actual beer in the cup. I don't think I maybe once. Oh boy, does that get? I, I've done it. I think I've done it two, maybe three times, and each yeah, time it was, done. it was a very, very rough next morning. Yeah. yeah. Well, mine usually goes with a rough morning too. I love shots, so uh, I'm gonna go seven, fourteen, twenty-one here. Ooh, that, um, I do like that game. Yeah, it's a hell of a game, and my God, if you are if you have bad luck, just don't play. So if anyone that doesn't know this, you have six dice and you roll, whoever rolls the seventh one on the dice, they pick the shot. Whoever rolls the 14th one pays for it. Whoever rolls the 21st takes a shot. And I played on the night before Easter. I did all three twice. So I, I was the bad luck guy. And on top of that, I actually rolled all six dice ones so i had to buy a round of shots for everyone on top of paying for my own shot later. so did you say yahtzee after that one i no? literally did <laughs> which is a terrible yahtzee because who wants six as a yahtzee another oh, another I'd, I'd be on the floor if that was me after six i'd be peter griffin but the worst part was peter griffin on the ground arm all over his back just looking ridiculous i probably <laughs> drove home i got a play set on the front yeah. of my car hey Lois, yeah. how's it going so, that would be me on top of that i did <laughs> That's a, that's a great image, a <laughs> terrible image. But at the top of that, we had six people with us. And right when I roll these six, two of them automatically leave as I'm getting shots. Wow, who would have thought? Oh, geez. So I buy six grape apes, and I'm like, well, I bought them. So, I mean, I'm not going to let anyone else have more than one. So I do three grape apes in about a matter of two minutes. So oh, Easter you. morning at church, Jesus, you're welcome. I didn't puke in the church. Nope. Yeah, no kidding. Another uh, honorable mention for me would be six five four, the dice game. If you guys have ever played that, where you get three shakes, six five four, and then whatever your last shakes are, however many it takes, whatever you get for your last two, is what your score mm-hmm. is. The lowest has to take a shot. Oh, I've never played that. That sounds fun. It's let's play I, that next I, month. I have that. I, I I have a story for that one where I was at a bachelor party in Deadwood. And 
we were, I was, it was just, we were down to two guys and it was me and the guy that the bachelor and I get, I, I go first, I roll my final roll. I get like a six. He goes, he actually wins. So, and with it is a teacup and we had it filled with ice hole plum. And one of the one of the guys there goes, "Hey, it's his bachelor party. Go double or nothing." So, yeah, I'll go do double or nothing. Go and struggle to get the six five four. So my last roll, I was waiting to get a four, and then whatever my number was, that's what I was. And I I get the four, and then my other two was like a seven or eight. So I was thinking, all right, Nick, who was it was who his turn goes up he shakes it and right as he's about to drop it on the table he looks me dead in my eyes and says fuck you grass dumps it on we <laughs> pulls it up and it's just stunned silence everybody's looking counting it six six or six five four double sixes and the place just go erupts <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there and my head just drops like oh so I had to take two shots and I was I was in the hurt bag a little bit until about six had a liquid IV and then I closed down the town that night. So game changer man there you go game changer yeah. liquid IVs baby and that's how we'll end this show. We will talk to you next week. We're back. Make sure you tune into next week's episode as we hear Grant and Ethan's reaction to the DeMonte Thomas interview. Excited to hear their reactions. We'll also give our reaction to the NFL schedule release, highlighting some of our favorite games of the upcoming 2022 NFL season, and talk more NBA playoffs as they will be in the conference finals by then. Make sure you are following us on all of our social media platforms where we will be posting other content. Check out the Three Guys Talking Ball Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at 3GTB Podcast, where we will also be posting short clips of the show and other content. You can also check out our Three Guys Talking Ball YouTube page, where we will be posting the full podcast if you want to see the video version. That puts a wrap on this week's episode of the Three Guys Talking Ball Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.